Matthew chapter 7, that's where we're going to be. Uh, we've spent two weeks now looking at parables of Jesus. Uh, we started a new series. We finished up the book of Genesis and started looking at uh, a few of the parables of Jesus. And uh, from the first parable that we looked at, the parable of the sower, we saw that Jesus explained it, and then he called it the secret to the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand all of the parables that I teach. So we took quite a few, well, we took a whole sermon and, and looked at that and what he was trying to accomplish. And we kind of labeled it uh, in words that we can understand. I actually, I'll throw it up there just so you can kind of see it. And then <clears throat> we saw that uh, the seed was scattered and, and we kind of put our labels on it, these four steps of discipleship from knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. And then we saw last week in the parable that the key to making all of this happen, the key to making this go was prayer and inviting the Holy Spirit in to be a part of that. And so what was happening was uh, God was calling each and every single person uh, to this kind of journey to these four steps of discipleship and then promising that if you ask for the Holy Spirit's help in moving through this journey uh, that he was going to give it to you. And so today we're going to look at another couple of parables from Jesus, and you're going to recognize these four steps of discipleship, but it's going to be from a little different perspective. And so here we go, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to skip down to verse 15 and see kind of the end of the chapter. So let's do it. Matthew chapter 7, starting verse 15. If you have a white or a blue Bible that we handed you, it's page 474. I usually say that earlier, but if you're still looking, 474. Starting at verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So we are warned here right up front that there is this urgency. Is that there is something you need to be aware of. There are people out there that you need to be paying attention to running into, to encountering. There is something he is warning you of. Right? Now, nobody's going to ignore this if they're like, watch out. Right? If I yelled that, everybody's going to, whoa, what are we paying attention? And that's what Jesus is saying here. Beware of these people who are misrepresenting God. That's what false prophet means. Uh, a prophet is someone who represented or spoke for God. And he's saying, beware of people who are misrepresenting God, who say that they are doing things in the name of God, who say they are representing and being an ambassador for God and are misrepresenting him. And in fact, if you go through the entire life of Jesus, you will find that through his ministry, he is most angry with the people who are misrepresenting him, the people who are claiming to be Christian, the people who are claiming to be representative of God, the people who are claiming to be representative of his word and are misrepresenting him, those are the people who Jesus saves his highest anger for, his deepest resentment for, his sharpest rebukes are for those people who are claiming to be God's people. And here's the picture he gives us. It says they look like sheep, but they are really a wolf. They put on sheep's clothing to look like a sheep and hide their identity as a wolf. Now, obviously that's ridiculous. Sheep don't wear clothing, but 
I mean, maybe 2020, right? We dress our dogs in things. But anyway, that's off topic. You get the idea, right? They make themselves look like something they are not intentionally. So here's the question. How do we know? How do we know who these people are? Jesus pointed them out, obviously, because we could recognize them, right? He didn't say, beware, but you'll never be able to tell. So no, he said, beware. And then he pointed them out because we are called to recognize them. So how do we know? What did he tell us in the text? How do we identify who is real sheep and who's a wolf? Who is really representing God and who is not? What do we look at? Well, he calls us to look at their fruit. He calls us to look at their fruit. First, he says, there's some plants that grow fruit and there's other plants that don't grow fruit. Like thorns and thistles don't grow fruit. So if you take a look at somebody's life and there's no fruit, that's a problem. If you look at their life and they're not making a difference anywhere, if they're not representing God well anywhere, that's a problem. And he goes a step further and said, there's also plants that grow bad fruit, diseased plants that grow diseased fruit. So if you're looking at their life and there's no fruit, that should be a red flag. If you're looking at their life and the fruit that they do have is messed up. Anybody ever bitten into a piece of fruit that was rotten or not good? Isn't that a terrible experience, right? When you expect to taste something good and it's not, and you're like, oh, right? Or sometimes, I don't know if you do this, maybe guys do this more than girls because uh, we're just hungry and we eat everything. But like me and my son will be like eating something. We'll be like halfway through and then my wife will bite into it. And she'll be like, does this taste okay to you? And we're like, oh, uh, like, yeah, now that you mention it, something tastes weird about this, right? Kind of tastes funny, right? That happens, right? You, you bite it, you taste it, and you go, there's something just not quite right. There's something that's a little bit off about this. There's something that's not like it should be. And Jesus said, that's the kind of fruit you need to be paying attention to. Diseased fruit comes from diseased trees. And then it's what's interesting. Is he says, beware of people that have no fruit. Beware of people that have bad fruit. And then he says, you can tell the difference. Isn't that interesting? That he calls every single person that is listening to him to recognize the difference. He doesn't say like, go to Bible college so you could tell the difference. He doesn't say, learn the Greek and the Hebrew. Read my special version of the Bible. Read, like, he doesn't have this qualification of level of spirituality that you need to get to to be able to recognize fruit or non-fruit, good fruit or bad fruit. He calls every single person to be able to recognize, you be a fruit inspector. Pay attention. Look around. See what's going on in their lives. You can read the word of God. You could pray for the Holy Spirit, like we talked about last week in the parable. He's not going to withhold it from you, and then you can judge fruit. So let's practice, okay? We're going to do this all together. Everybody pick somebody else in the room, and we're going to judge. No, don't do that. That is a bad way to gain friends, right? Yeah, like you. No, we're not doing that, okay? Let's start with a nice, safe person. You can pick yourself, right? Who in here is a good tree? Nobody in here is a good tree. Who in here is a bad tree? Nobody wants to raise their hands. That's all, right? Who thinks it's hard to tell? Four of you. Okay, well, it's early. Why is it hard to tell? 
right? You think about your life, and I'm like, am I a good tree? Do I only bear good fruit? I don't know. Am I a bad tree? Do I only bear bad fruit? I mean, it's hard to tell. You know why it's hard to tell? Because you're not a tree. Go back to the parable we talked about two weeks ago. You are the soil, right? You are the soil. You are growing things in your life, right? Your heart is the soil, and some of it is good, hopefully good trees and good fruit, and some of it is thorns and thistles and isn't growing any fruit. And some of the stuff you're growing in your heart is bad disease fruit because it comes from a bad disease tree. Now, how many people, let's do that exercise again, reflect on your own life. How many of you see parts of your life that are growing good fruit and parts of your life that are growing no fruit and parts of your life that are growing bad fruit? Every single person should raise their hand. We can recognize that in ourselves as we are intended to be able to recognize it because Jesus told us to recognize it. And so now we look at parts of our lives and we go, oh, yeah, that's that's good fruit there. Oh, oh, that's not any fruit. Or, oh, yeah, that's actually bad, diseased, awful fruit. And so if you misunderstand this, you fall into like our 2020 cancel culture, right? Like, oh, that person's bad tree, bad fruit. Yeah, that's actually not biblical, right? Biblically, we see parts of lives that have bad fruit and we see parts of lives that have good fruit. Now, at the end of all of it, Jesus is going to talk about this. Uh, at the end, uh, God's going to judge, and he gets to judge. But nobody in here lacks the capacity to grow good fruit. Nobody, I don't want anybody to read this and be like, well, I'm a bad tree because I've done some really stupid stuff. Join the club. We've all done stupid stuff. But the capacity to grow good fruit is still within your heart. So we're going to take a look at how this happens. What I do want you to see about this is that every single person in this world is growing lots of things. And some of it is growing out of the word of God that's been planted in your heart, and some of it is growing from something else. And the word of God is growing up and bearing good fruit, and the other stuff is also growing up, and it's either not producing fruit or is producing diseased fruit. So we can look at these parts of our lives and go, oh, that's good fruit, right? I signed up for a small group and I went the first time and it was a little bit awkward because I didn't know if I'd know anybody, but then I stuck it out and like got to know some people and I got, I made a friend at my small group and then they texted me this week and they were like, hey, I just know you had a hard week last week and I was hoping this week was better and I'm praying for you. That's good fruit from a good tree that started from something you did because the word of God stirred your heart. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum, right? And like, yeah, last weekend I got wasted and I found this person and we hooked up and like it was cool for a little bit. Now it's getting pretty drama and complicated. It's bad fruit from bad plant that was planted by bad decisions and really bad seed, right? And so we could all look at our lives and be like, oh yeah, this, this makes sense what Jesus is talking about. Now, before I move on, as a pastor, I deal with lots and lots of people, and the truth is uh, that people are not all that different from one another. I mean, we talk about you being unique and, and all that stuff, but usually you hear lots of the same things from lots of different people. And so as a pastor, I've kind of identified some of the things that I'm just going to throw out here real quick and tell you that these are statements from lives or these statements in people's lives are usually not bearing any fruit or diseased and rotten fruit right? Here's one of them. People say this to me all the time. Uh, Oh yeah, I used to go to church, but you know, the people there are just a bunch of hypocrites. So I really, I don't like the church anymore. I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. You know who says that? People who aren't bearing any fruit. 
and I'm being general here, but just like people who say that and then the closely related version of that, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian and the outdoors is my church, right? You've all heard people say that kind of stuff. Usually that group of people is not bearing any fruit, right? So you can say that and that can be technically accurate and it can produce zero fruit in your life. How about another one, right? Uh, the Bible says don't judge. Anybody ever heard that one before? Bible says don't judge. Who usually says that? People who are bearing diseased fruit because they don't want you to judge their fruit. That's usually when you, right? Don't judge me. You'll be a hypocrite. Bible says don't judge. Yeah, it does say don't judge. And yes, that's true. But usually people who say that are bearing some pretty nasty fruit. How about this one? God told me, fill in the blank. To be honest, the people who usually say that are usually bearing some diseased fruit. It's usually messed up. Now, can God speak to people? Absolutely. Can God tell you to do something? 100%. Do the people who usually say that hear from God? No. Usually they are using that as some sort of an excuse to accomplish their own agenda. Oh, yeah, God told me to do this. Right? My red flag goes up when people say that. Because the most godly people I know hardly ever say, God told me to. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they're very convicted. They're like, yeah, I think God told me to do this. But for the vast majority of the time, the people who really want you to think that God told them to do something are doing it not because the word of God was planted in their heart and grew up into something that was bearing good fruit, but because they had some other agenda and grew that up into diseased fruit. Now, let's go ahead and move on. Verse 21, these are the kinds of people who say stuff like that. God told me to. Look at verse 21. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So these people say they believe in God. They claim to speak for God which is what prophecy is. They claim to go places for God and do things for God and have power from God. But Jesus says the problem is they never actually knew God. God says we never knew each other. The things that you did in your life didn't spawn out of a relationship with me. It wasn't because my word was planted in your heart and bore good fruit. It was something else some other motivation, some other reason for you doing what you did is messed up fruit from a messed up seed because you had some other agenda. Uh, we would call this religion. Religion. And it doesn't matter what religion you want to talk about. They all have this type of doing things for God but not being initiated by the word of God. Right? And so you could go down the list of all the world religions, right? We got the eightfold path, and we got the five pillars, and we got the married in the temple, and we got the confirmation classes. And you, wherever you want to go, you can find somebody who is doing something for God and prophesying in his name and doing mighty works for him, but it wasn't initiated by the word of God changing his heart and a relationship with his creator. And so, therefore, 
It's not real fruit. It's not good fruit. It's hypocrisy. And Jesus says it's actually working of lawlessness. That's crazy, right? That's crazy that you could be doing the right things for the wrong reasons. And Jesus says that's messed up fruit. The right things for the wrong reasons does not please God. And what Jesus has done here, and you may not have realized it, he has taken our illustration. Actually, let's throw it up on the screen. He's taken our illustration from a couple weeks ago, and he's just flipped it around. Right? Isn't that exactly what he did? He said, hey, look at, look at somebody's life. Is there any fruit? If there's no fruit, it's because the seed was bad. If there's bad fruit, it's because the seed was bad. It has to start with you knowing God, because at the end of the day, there will be people that get there and have bad fruit. And I will say, I never knew you. I never knew you. All right. So Jesus warned us about these people who look like one thing and really are another thing. And now he's going to say, he's going to stay with that idea of looking like something, but not really being something. But he's going to change his illustration. He's going to switch gears a little bit with his perspective. So look at verse 24. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So the first picture was bad fruit from bad plants that were based on bad seed, And this picture is a house that is built upon sand and not upon rock. We have an announcement coming from our governor this morning in Washington State. Right? And uh, a lot of businesses are going to be closed back down again. Right? And a lot of people aren't going to be able to do what they've been doing. And we've already had our whole world shaken up because of this whole pandemic thing uh, ever since last spring. I mean... Things are going crazy. So if anyone could relate to a foundation that is unstable, it's someone who's living in 2020, right? We have no idea what tomorrow is. We have no idea what's in front of us. We have no idea what it's going to look like a month from now or two months from now or a year from now. Zero. And if And Jesus says, if your life is built upon that unstable foundation, if where your hope is, if where your your the identity of your life lies is on that sandy foundation, it's going to fall. It's going to fall. But there is an alternative. If your life is built upon the rock, if your identity is built upon the rock, if who you are and where your joy is found is founded not in the stuff around or your business or your finances or your retirement account or your relationships or your ability to go out and eat good food at restaurants or or whatever else is going to change in the coming days. If your foundation is built upon Jesus, then it doesn't matter what happens to the sand. It doesn't matter what happens in the weather. It doesn't matter what happens around you. There's stability. I want to point a couple things out about this illustration that Jesus gives. 
It doesn't say if you hear the word and do it, then there will be no rain. You see that? He said the rain is coming and the wind will blow and the flood will rise for both houses. Now, there is a person in the story who heard the word of Jesus and did what he said and his house was built on a rock, but the wind still blew and the flood still came and the rain still poured down. You see that? Sometimes we get this idea like, hey, come to church, read the Bible, give your heart to Jesus and everything will be fixed. That, that sometimes isn't true. Sometimes God does. Sometimes God fixes a whole bunch in your life. Sometimes God gives you an extra special helping of the Holy Spirit just to encourage your heart and lift your spirits and boost your emotions and send you out just refreshed for your day. But other times, most of the time, you come in here, you read the word of God, and you walk back out, and the circumstances are the same, or maybe even worse. So what are we doing here? If we're going to walk out the doors and the circumstances are going to be the same, it's about us and where our lives are built. It's about our foundation. If you come in these doors and expect your circumstances to be all different when you walk out, you probably are going to be disappointed. But if you come in these doors and expect your heart to change so that you walk out those doors facing those circumstances, the same circumstances with a different perspective, with a new encouragement, with a newfound power, with a newfound indifference. Maybe it's something that doesn't matter and you shouldn't care so much about it. Seahawks fans, I'm just joking, right? <laughs> then God will build your house upon the rock, right? It doesn't say that every single time that you come to the Lord or do what he calls you to do, that the, the, the wind will stop blowing, but your foundation can be secure. Second thing I want to point out, any builder in the world will tell you how stupid it is to build anything on sand. Anything on sand. Not one, like it is not worth your time to spend one minute building anything on sand if you want it to last. It's just a waste of time. No, 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 I'll just really reinforce it. Really, It's sand. It is sand. It will not work. I don't care how much time you spend on it. If you build it on sand, it was a waste of your time because eventually it's going to fall. Eventually it's going to lean. You will never have the peace of mind that you were intended to have in this life if it is built on sand. And I point this out because you and I have this proclivity to try and convince ourselves that we can build something on sand. I know the foundation's not great, but if I just, I, I, I can make it work. Nobody knows what that's like in their life, right? I can do this. Like the whole time you know you're building it on sand, you're like, no, I'm gonna set it up. It's gonna be okay. And then sand, like sand always does, lets you down. We're all tempted to do this. I know I shouldn't, but, and we fill in the blank, and that's building on sand. And it is always a terrible idea. It is always the worst idea. Third thing I want to point out. The difference is not in the hearing. You see that? 
The difference is not that one hears the word and the other doesn't. The difference is not in the emotional response. It's not that one feels bad and the other doesn't. The difference is not in, in that, oh, I heard, so I'm OK, or oh, I felt bad when I heard, so I'm OK. The difference is in the heart that is motivated to action. He ever hears my words and does them is one who built his life upon the rock. So we have action that is motivated by hearing. That is what makes a difference in a life. And I point this out because some people think because they heard that they built a life on the rock. No, no, just hearing does not build your life on the rock. And other people think because they heard and they felt bad that their life is built on the rock. No, no, no. Coming to church and knowing you should do something different does not mean your life is built on the rock. It is built on the rock because hearing has turned into conviction, which has turned into action. That is what builds a house that will not fall. That is what builds a house that will not fall. If your life is built some other way, hearing and indifference, hearing and inaction, hearing and rejection even, hearing and ignoring, then what can be expected from that kind of life is a great fall. And there's people in this room who have experienced that. Amen? Right? Some of you built your house on sand, and there was a great fall, and somehow, by the grace of God, you lived to tell about it, and you're rebuilding on the solid rock. I know that that's my story. Right? I spent my whole high school and most of college building on sand, and there was a big fall, and it all came crumbling down. And I know that you could talk to people around in here, in this room right now, and be like, amen. Amazing grace, saved a wretch. Like, that's us. That's our stories. All of us, in some capacity, have built things on the sand, and it's probably all fallen down. And God, by his grace, has got a hold of our hearts and is rebuilding us the right way. Praise God for that. But we have three sections here, right? We have a teaching where Jesus is saying, uh, okay, you should recognize fruit. And then he's going to say, hey, there's some people that they don't have good fruit because they weren't planted in the knowledge of me. And then he's going to the building on the rock. And this is where we're going to finish. Because what Jesus, what you may have not noticed, is he is kind of doing like a Jedi mind trick here. Okay? And here's what I mean. He starts this teaching with this very non-threatening kind of illustration. Hey, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Watch out for these people who say they're one thing and they're not really that thing. And when he says that, everybody is thinking, oh, yeah, there's people I need to be watching out for, right? That's what you thought when you read it this morning, isn't it? You're like, hmm, you start going over in your mind like my neighbor. I bet he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? You started thinking of other people outside you who were probably wolves in sheep's clothing, and then Jesus moved to the second illustration. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, on that day will get into heaven because there are some people who say, hey, I did all this stuff for you. And I will say to them, I never knew you. And at the start of that illustration, you're going like, yeah, there's some hypocrites out there. And then you read that last part. I will say away from me, I never knew you. And in the back of your mind, you were thinking, I hope I know Jesus. I hope I know, right? How, how many of you felt that, right? You read the end of that and you're like, I hope that's not me, right? And you're like, oh man. And then you get to the third illustration 
And everybody who reads this one, nobody's thinking about anybody else right now. You're like, build your house on the rock. And everybody's thinking, I need to build my house on the rock, right? We're all thinking about ourselves by the time we get to the third illustration, right? Everybody's like, I need to build not on the sand, on the rock. And so Jesus, this is why I call it a Jedi mind trick. Because Jesus is talking about these sheep and wolves clothing. You're like, oh, that's for somebody else. And then by the end of it, he's like, wait, I think he's talking about me. I think he's talking about me building my house on the rock. And you kind of wake up. You're like, wait, how long has he been talking about me? Wait, you've been talking about me this whole time? Jesus is sneaky like that, right? Here's the surprise. He's been talking about us the whole time. The whole time. And at the end of this, you're supposed to be reflective in your heart and be like, is there parts of my life that aren't growing fruit? Are there relationships that are growing no fruit or bad fruit? Are there parts of my life that have built on sand and not rock? Are there things that I'm doing for some other motivation than the goodness of God as revealed in his word? Growing out of gratefulness into real good fruit? Is it, uh, am I just falling into religion? Am I doing some of these Christian things just to check the box? And so we get to the end of these illustrations, these parables, these stories, and we go, oh, there's some things I should pay attention to. There's some things I should reflect on. And some of us are realizing right now that we've let some nasty fruit grow in our lives. And there's some thorns and thistles and diseased trees that we've never dealt with. There's relationships that need to go. There's activities that are bearing no fruit. We got to get that stuff out and plant good stuff in its place. Stuff that's based on knowledge of God from his word based on responding to his goodness. It's directed by our prayer to God. It's led by the Holy Spirit because the alternative is a life of never really knowing God or a life that cannot endure the rain and the flood and the wind. Or, and this is worst case scenario, a life that misrepresents God. Some of you are going to hear these illustrations and be like, I've been misrepresenting God to my wife. I've been misrepresenting God to my children. I've been misrepresenting God in my place of work. I've been misrepresenting God with the things I do for entertainment. I've been misrepresenting God with my finances. Now, I didn't teach this, and Jesus didn't teach this, because he just wants you all to feel really bad. Because there's the tendency for that to happen. Every single person has parts of their lives that are growing awful fruit or no fruit. And so this is pretty easy to do, to be like, doesn't everybody feel bad now? You're welcome. Hallelujah. You know, let's all sing Amazing Grace and walk out and feel bad. That's not why Jesus taught this message. Jesus taught this because he wanted everyone that heard it to know the joy of a life that was bearing good 
fruit. He didn't want you to live the entirety of your life in the anxiety and the uncertainty of a house that was built on sand or bearing no fruit or at worst case, bearing dirty, rotten, awful fruit or for you to be self-deceived thinking you were doing the right thing before God, but doing it for the wrong reasons and never really knowing God. So if if you felt that little sting this morning, if, if the Holy Spirit put its finger on something, you're like, ah. It, it's not because God just wants to make you squirm. It's because he loves you. It's because he's calling you to more. It's because he wants you to do what his word has said so that your house will be built on the rock and it will not fall when the governor makes whatever proclamation he's probably made by now. Or your house will not fall when you get the virus and the outlook isn't good. Or your house will not fall when the stock market crashes. Or your house will not fall when somebody does something awful against you. Or your house will not fall when whatever happens that is waiting for you outside those doors. God loves you. And if he's put conviction in your heart this morning, it's because he wants the best for you not the anxiety and the uncertainty of the life that was built on sand. So if we hear what God is saying this morning and we ask for the Holy Spirit's help and guidance to make that change, then we have the hope of a life that is built on the rock. Amen? Stephen, come on, let's finish with one last song of worship. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for this morning and for your word and how it encourages and strengthens, and in some cases, stretches us, Lord. And I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to be upon every single person who you brought here this morning. There's no accidents here, Lord. You brought every single heart to this place to hear your word in order that you might do something in their lives, in order that you might, as your word says, refine us, make us into pure gold. And so now as we sing your praises, Lord, pray that we would do it out of grateful hearts because we know your goodness. Because you don't want us to live the life of uncertainty that is no fruit or bad fruit or built upon sand. You want us to know you in spirit and in truth and worship you because of it. So do that now, Lord, in our hearts. We ask you in your name. Amen.